أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله الله تعالى by his father gave us the tawfiq to witness this Mubarak day of Ashura Mubarak to those of you who are fasting and Mubarak to those of you whose fasting is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who received the expiation of a year's worth of sins this is a day that has significance both from this sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and from the history of Islam as well. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to fast this day both in Makkah Mukarramah and in Medina Munawwara. This day is a Mubarak day and its barakah was recognized even by the mushrikeen and jahiliyyah, although they didn't understand why. It was considered to be a blessed day to them as well in jahiliyyah, but they didn't understand why. The Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to observe this day even before the hijrah mubarakah. Then when he came to Medina Munawwara, he was somewhat surprised why are the Jews fasting on this day. And he was told by them that this is the day Allah Ta'ala saved Banu Israel from Fir'aun. And so he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that we have more right to Sayyidina Musa Alayhi Salam than they do. And because of that, he commanded its being fasted again. It's an emphasis. It wasn't the initiation of the command. Rather, it was ta'kid of that uh, sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to fast on this day. This is the reason that we fast this day and this is the reason that the day has this primal significance in the deen of Islam is what? Is it the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to fast this day? It used to be a fard fast on the people of the ummah before Ramadan became fard and then once Ramadan became fard it became a sunnah to fast on this day. This is what the primal significance is of the day of Ashura. Why? Because it has connection with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there's a lesson in his saying what he said, that we have more right to Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam than they do. This is a sign Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam had of his ghayrah. Imagine somebody talks about your family member, somebody talks about your father and talks in all sorts of exquisite detail in your presence. And you say, this guy only met him one time. So who are you to talk about my father as if you know who he is? He's my father. Who are you to talk about my brother as if you know who he is? We grew up together and you're some guy who just met him once or twice and now you're going to write a book about it? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. he had ghayrah for Islam and he had ghayrah for the Quran and he had ghayrah for the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam and he had ghayrah for this ummah. What is ghayrah? Ghayrah is a word that does not translate into English. There's no word for it in English. Which may be why many people in the civilization don't have it. What is ghayrah? Ghayrah is the feeling that a person has 
when someone or something special to them is being abused or attacked improperly. If someone hears about a random person getting beaten up in the other side of the world, they say, this is a bad thing. But if you find out that that person is your sister, then there is an increase in the feeling. That's what the ghayrah is. Ghayrah is part of Islam, actually. It's not something that is bad in terms of being subjective. Rather, this type of subjectivity is a sign that you're alive, that you're a human being, that you are on the fitrah. So Rasulullah had ghayrah for the Anbiya for the shara of Allah Ta'ala, for the tawheed of Allah Ta'ala, for the hurma of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. This is something, it's a sign that the person has connection with somebody. This is a sign that we also have connection with the Prophet That Sweden, as a publicity stunt, they gave a license to some deranged apostate from Iraq to burn a copy of the Mus'haf. And then afterward, a Syrian Muslim took a license, said, I'm going to burn a copy of the Bible. And he made a big rally. They all came together. And when the rally happened, he said, why would I burn a copy of the Bible? This is stupid. Which is what? To show, Push back with something that's better. That if you guys are going to behave like this, we can't behave this way. Why? Because we actually think of these things as sacred. The next thing that a person who reads about the day of Ashura cannot escape is that a great tragedy happened, one of the greatest tragedies of the history of the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad wasallam on this day. Which is the assassination of the grandson of the Prophet wasallam, Sayyidina Hussein bin Ali, Ibn Abi Talib. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept his shahada and raise his rank. The story is a very long story and it's a convoluted story. And many people who listen to it, I tell you this, that a lot of the details that are transmitted with regards to this story are completely fabrications. Their origins, most of them find themselves somewhere centuries later. And they cannot be traced back to anywhere near the time of the actual incident of Karbala itself. However, what is known to summarize is that Sayyidina Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu he was, given the <coughs> he was given the advice that he should make his son the uh, successor in the Khalifa after him in order to ensure the continuity of the state. This advice was given to Sayyidina Umar anhu before and he rejected it. This advice was given to Sayyidina Muawiyah and he accepted it. And he said regarding his son Yazid that Ya Allah, this Yazid if he straightens out, give him a long life. And if he doesn't straighten out, take him quickly. This Yazid was then placed in power. The bay'ah, the oath of allegiance was taken for him before Sayyidina Muawiyah who died in order to ensure the continuity of the state. Once Sayyidina Muawiyah who died, Yazid came to power, it became clear that he was not a good ruler. Not a good ruler in terms of his ability to rule, not a good ruler in terms of his own personal character. Oftentimes if one is good in one and not the other, people can excuse it, but this was something inexcusable, especially in that time. 
Were the aslaf, many of them were still alive and amongst us. Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who lived in Medina, who's resident in Medina at that time. He went, when the agents of the government came to Medina Munawwara to take the oath of allegiance publicly from all the notable people of Medina, he knew they were going to come for him as well, so he escaped to Makkah Mukarramah. From there, the same thing happened, he escaped again. During this while, the people of Iraq, the people of Kufa, which is somewhat close to the modern city of Baghdad, but Baghdad wasn't built yet. The people of Kufa, many of whom were the political backers of his father, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And you read history, you know they didn't really do a very good job of it. They said, we would rather take the oath of allegiance with Hussein, the son of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. And so, Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu, in order to investigate what's going on, he sent his cousin, Muslim bin Aqil bin Abi Talib. Now, another interesting, another interesting fact. Aqil bin Abi Talib, the father of, uh, the father of Muslim, is the brother of Sayyidina Ali, but he was actually on Sayyidina Muawiyah on his side before the Battle of Safin. In order to dispel this idea that this is some sort of tribal warfare between them. It was a political issue, it wasn't a tribal issue, and it definitely wasn't a religious issue. Muslim bin Aqil comes, 18,000 people from Kufa fighting young men. They said that we'll defend Hussein with our lives, we'll take the oath of allegiance with him, we'll defend him with our lives. He writes this letter back to Sayyidina Al-Hussein, you should come, you have 18,000 men, they swear, to the last drop of blood that will protect you if you come here. So he makes preparation to go. The preparation is not a military preparation. He doesn't come with soldiers. He comes with the women and children of his family, he comes with his relatives. It was a large qafila, it was a large entourage, but it wasn't an army. What was it? It was his family he brought with him, who's the family of the Prophet ﷺ, him being the elder from Banu Hashim at this point. They're going toward Kufa. As you imagine, it's not going to be like a 90-minute flight like it would be nowadays. It takes several days, especially with such a large entourage to travel. By the time they're halfway there, uh, 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 um, the governor of Kufa from Damascus is changed. The old governor was Nu'man ibn Bashir. He was a man with a great amount of hilm, with a great amount of forbearance. He's changed into what? Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. Ziyad bin Abi Sufyan, his father, just so you know, actually sided with Sayyidina uh, Ali radiallahu anhu in the conflict, political conflict between Sayyidina Muawiyah and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Just so you know, it's not a tribal war, nor is it a religious war. It's a political issue that happened between the companions radiallahu anhum. Ubaidullah bin Ziyad enters into Kufa at night with something like seven, seven horsemen or 17 horsemen. Nobody knows that he comes in. It's a very small entourage. On one side, what do you have? 18,000 
fighting men. And on the other side, you have what? Just a handful. Just a handful of people who come in quietly into the city. They deliver the note to Nu'man bin Bashir. He vacates the governor's uh, mansion and he takes up the governorship of Kufa. Then what does he do? He sends spies into the majalis where Muslim bin Aqil and the supporters of Sayyidina Hussein are meeting. He sends somebody with monetary donations in a great amount, pretending to be a businessman, in order to find out all the information about who's backing this, what's going on, where's the money coming from, where is this, where is that, to sit in the majlis and hear all of these things. He gets all of this information. Then he sends his, his people one by one to all of these notables and tells them, if you go through with your plan that you swore, an oath that you swore, you will find the entire might of the state come down upon you. And he convinced all of them one by one in order to renege on their promises. To the point that by the time Sayyidina Hussein who reaches two-thirds of the way to Karbala, that 18,000 comes into what? It becomes less than 100. People stay home. It comes to the point where even those people, they abandon Muslim bin Atil and he has to run hiding from house to house, hiding because he knows now Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, his guys are behind him. Finally, he finds out the house that he's in. An old woman gave him refuge, her son or nephew, because of inducement from the state, will betray the refuge. He's taken up to the ramparts and beheaded in front of the entire Kufa. That's it, all of it is done. Why is Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anhu going? Because they said, come and straighten out the affair because we find Yazid to be an impious, unrighteous man and a bad ruler. He's not coming to fight him. He's coming to what? Straighten out what's a bad situation. 18,000 people, not a human being amongst them. This is what I want to talk about because this is the day that what? People curse, people curse in the Muslim world, Shia and Sunni. They curse Yazid. Yazid is a drunkard, Yazid is this, Yazid is that. I'm not one to say good about Yazid. I'm not one who can, likes to hear someone say something good about Yazid. Why? Because even though he wasn't physically there at the place of Karbala, he was in Damascus. But because it's connected to him, it makes me upset. However, brothers and sisters, the nisbah with Yazid is very light compared to the nisbah with these 18,000 people who made promises, pulled him out, and they're nowhere to be seen. You are very, very unlikely, it's very unlikely that one of you will become the sovereign leader of the United Muslim Ummah. That you'll have to deal with issues like this. What's probably more likely is that the haq will be spoken, someone will need you to back them up. You have to have the decency not to be caught absent on that day. If you give your word, you have to have the decency that you're the one who says the whole, your whole life, oh look, the leaders are corrupt, the governments are corrupt, the ulama are corrupt, this person's corrupt, that person's corrupt. You cannot abandon a person on that day and at that time. And so I thought this is something very relevant for all of us to think about and hear. 
amidst all the emotional blackmail, especially for those of you, those of you who grew up in America, maybe have never heard these things before, if you've grown up in the Muslim world, if you speak Urdu, you speak Persian, you speak Turkish, you speak Arabic, you may have heard some of these very rousing talks where they bring up all the most granular of details. All of them are fabricated with regards to the maqla of Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu. What? For the sake of emotional manipulation. Someone says, what, are you trying to say it wasn't that bad? It was probably even worse in real life. Why do I say emotional manipulation? Let's talk about the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Who has a maqam higher than Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Sayyidina Ali, his father? Who has a maqam higher than him? Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu anhu, or maybe that's not true, maybe actually that's not true, but it's still higher than Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Both of them were assassinated. You never hear anyone speak with this amount of granular detail with regards to their assassination. Why? Because politically it's not as important to people's political agenda. You never see people in the streets beating themselves up and crying and wailing and all of this other stuff. The Prophet ﷺ would say, the Hamza radiallahu anhu, he literally, it happened in front of his eyes. If it was a sunnah, you would have seen him doing it. It's what? It's emotional blackmail. It's manipulation. It's the same thing that the Christians do when they talk about the fictitious crucifixion of Sayyidina Isa What is it? They make people feel sad and bad. You see the passion of the Christ and all of this, these passion plays that they do again and again every year. It's emotional manipulation because they know a person cannot be trapped through their aql because it doesn't make any sense. So emotionally, if you can get a person to feel bad that this is something really bad that happened, what happens is this is a raw energy. You can recast it and use it in any direction you want to. But the fact of the matter is, is what? Those 18,000 people, they're the ones who make the same claim that some people make nowadays who are emotional manipulators themselves. And they weren't there to back him. Hey, Yazid is not a Sunni. This is not a Shia Sunni issue. No one from the Ahl Sunnah in their right mind ever said that Yazid is a Sunni. They'll say Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anhu is a Sunni, yes. But they will never say that Yazid is a Sunni. Whoever backs Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anhu, this is the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The issue that's relevant is not cursing Yazid because nobody in their right mind will ever back him. Even a non-Muslim, if you tell them the story, they're going to think that Yazid is a bad guy. Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, Shamar, all of these people who are involved in this despicable incident, they're going to say, how could you kill like a person in the middle of the desert with like the women and children of the family? They say that Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu look at his character that is narrated that he offered, he offered what surrender? He said, I'll take one of three options. Give me three options and I'll abort this mission. One is that you take me to Damascus, I can sit and talk to my cousin about this face to face. Why? Because he's there for Islah. The second is you send me back to Medina Munawwara and I promise I won't leave my house ever, ever again. The, the game is over here. The only thing left is to spill the blood of the family. There's no point in that. I'll just go back and say, just consider my political career ended at this day. Or the third is what? You send me to any one of the frontiers where the Muslims are fighting their enemies and I'll fight them and tell them, Shaheed, I won't ever come back. Even these three options were not accepted from him and Allah Ta'ala sees then who, whose maqam is what. If anyone speaks ill of Sayyidina Hussain after this, that person, it's a stain on them. If they speak good about his killers, that's a stain on them. I don't know how they're going to show their face in front of the Prophet Wasallam after saying something about uh, the killers of his grandchildren that's, uh, you know, 
there to make them, uh, you know, to try to rehabilitate them or try to lessen their crime. But again, the point is that none of us are going to be in that position, most likely. More likely than that is what? We'll be one of those 18,000 people who talks a big game. But when the time comes to show up, what did they say? What did they say to Muslim bin Atil when he asked, where is everybody gone? They said, our hearts are with, 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 uh, with Hussein, but our swords are with Banu Umayyah. What kind of stupid heart is this? Pointless, wicked heart. Garbage heart. Useless heart. It's better to be dead than to have a heart like this. In fact, having a heart like this is a sign that a person is already dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not about that time. Those are people, they did what they did, they've passed. Allah Ta'ala will judge them. Who are we? That we also know what's right so much of the time. And we even say, we even talk about it. But then when the time comes to show up, what is it? Your wallet, your money is being spent with one group of people while you talk, when you're talking, you're a revolutionary in your tongue and inside of your heart, inside of your wallet. Forget about fighting, who's going to fight? People can't even run a mile. Just what you spend from your pockets, just where you walk with your two feet and show up. Who's, who's, going, to, who's going to be with the haqq on that day? This is a very important and a very potent lesson. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the people who speak truth and the people who stand with truth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawbah. It's because hard. You know, you have to be brave. You have to be strong. People are weak. Weaknesses, at some in an instant, it's something you cannot control. But over large periods of time, it's a choice that you can make. Right? It's a choice that you can make. If I just handed you a bar with... 300 pounds and said bench it can you bench it I don't know can you right no but I bet you over the next five years if you trained and worked out you would be able to not only do that you would be able to surpass it in an instant it's what it's not a choice over a period of time though it's a choice that we make don't make those choices of weakness separate yourself from the love of money separate yourself from the love of comfort separate yourself from the love of evil and wicked people or pointless people and pointless things so that when the time comes that you're tested, you have a little bit of strength that you can try to fight that test with. Otherwise, death, when it comes to a person, it doesn't ask for permission. Trial and tribulation, when it comes to a person, it doesn't send you a memo that I'm coming in, in a year. And even when it does, many of us still fail to prepare. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cure this, cure this, whatever this thing is, cure this from us and give us a, 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 better, a, a better way of doing things. Wasallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallama ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inshallah, you can take a couple of minutes to pray your sunnahs.